San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right, good evening, buddy. My name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Seattle on a good night, down to Cabo, out to the desert. If you download the app for 760KFMB, you can hear us on any device as this program airs. And all these podcasts are commercial-free on IYMoney.com. Now time to introduce the main man of the hour. He's a CPA extraordinary. He's an accomplished marathon runner. He's a best-selling author, a philanthropist, a lecturer, and a family office expert advising several high net worth families. His name is Richard Musio. Richard, good evening. How are you tonight? I am busy, Joe, because I'm packing my suitcase because we're taking off for Kona and then Oahu. Oh, my gosh. On Monday for a week. Just you and Mary, or? Uh, my son Evan and his girlfriend, Sammy, are coming. Oh, very and nice. And then after that, when we get back, we go up to San Jose to see our youngest daughter, Demi. April and May are good travel months because uh, you want to avoid the uh, tourists. Although in Hawaii, I don't think there's a, as much of a crush there as there is here. Or, yes. or Right? That's correct. And I just learned I don't own any Hawaiian shirts, <laughs> but which you, I'm proud of. Well, you get yourself down to Target. I'm sure there's... <laughs> oh, maybe I'll buy one there. I don't like them. <laughs> I, you know what? I think I have a few I can spread. I, don't no get thanks. the polyester ones, for gosh yeah, sakes. No get some cotton for God. You know, so pack let, in my bag. Let, let it breathe. Well, good for you. Good for you. So anyway, thank you to Gina Champion Kane, owner of the Patio Restaurants on Lamont Street, also in Mission Hills, Goldfinch, and, and her new one, um, the back, it's not the backyard, is it? Um, Anyway, it's in, it's, it's in, I don't Liber- remember the it's in Liberty Station. I've never been to Fireside. It's in Liberty Station. Yeah, but anyway, uh, she has invited me to a couple of Padres games uh, to, to visit in her suite. And it's, it's always a good way to see a ball game, even if the team isn't hitting a lot of, making a lot of runs or whatever. Right, Richard? Well, aren't they supposed to win one or two games a week? <laughs> I don't know. But, um, and, we're, and I know that you would like to do, and we're hopefully planning on doing a, a special broadcast from the, uh, the All-Star game. Um, the we're going to try. The preliminary events. We're so going to try. We'll get some it's, interesting. It's the one and only major league game in the city all year. What do you mean? Because we got the Padres. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's always San Diego State and USD. By the way, that Chris Bryant, the graduate of University of San Diego, just like me. He is doing great at, with the Cubs. I mean, my yeah, gosh. Plus, their first baseman, he's, he's not halfway bad oh, either. Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo, yeah. That's what I'm telling my brothers. I said, yeah. you know, the, the road to the World Series with the Cubs is through San Diego. Yeah, we, so. We've traded away the two best first basemen in baseball, Adrian Gonzalez and Anthony yeah. Rizzo. Well, you know, such is life. But it um, is. anyway, also, have you noticed these Jack Aranda have been in bloom? Yeah, it happens this time every year. You know, I'm just, I'm just starting to catch on to this. <laughs> I was walking with my You've friend. You've been here how long? Uh, too many years, but uh, I guess I haven't been too much in tune with the plant life. But I'll tell you, yeah. it's hard you to. Got to stop and smell the jacaranda. Well, you know, the cool thing is they're all purple. And here with the loss of prints, I, I thought there was something uh, metaphorical there. Don't you purple think? Purple rain, I guess. I don't know. Is metaphorical the right word? I think it would be. There's a metaphor there. Did but, you see the IRS wants to tax his symbol? I, I did not know that. Yeah. I didn't even know he played the drums. No, but I'm pump. Don't get me started on the IRS. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, a lot of people, Channel 8, our, our sister station here, they also have this, another sister station, this Me TV, and I'm rediscovering Carol Burnett, Columbo, Perry There's Mason, shows on Hitchcock, and then, of course, Johnny Carson's on another station, you know, seven nights a week. So, uh, and there's a lot of good authors on there, which is a good segue into our guest mm-hmm. tonight. So, 
folks, we got a best. So let's let's start. What do you say, Richard? Let's do it. Okay, we have got a best-selling author, um, several books, I, about ten, but has a great career as a journalist and got into crime crime novels, but uh, mostly nonfiction. So I don't even know if you can call them novels, but uh, it's great reading. A lot of people are, are reading her material, and um, she's a native of Canada. And a true crime author, novelist, journalist, and her name is Caitlin Rother. Caitlin, welcome to the show. Me. Our, our absolute pleasure. And our mic is on, right? Okay. <laughs> Let's hope. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, well, Caitlin, we like to usually, the first segment, we like to learn about your, your childhood upbringing, et cetera, education, and then we can get into your, your work and your process and everything else. So uh, born and raised where, educated where, et cetera. I was born in Montreal, Canada, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and my parents were met at McGill University. This Perfect. is funny because I'm actually writing all this out in my uh, bio for my new singing group that I'm in. Oh, good. <laughs> so hey. I was just going through you, all you this. And, you and Dick Van Dyke. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, they met at, uh, at McGill. My father was a playwright and my mom was an actress, and so she acted in one of his plays, which I thought was pretty cool. And then um, we moved out to California when I was a year and 10 months old, hmm. so I had a green card. Where'd you settle first? Uh, UCSB, where okay. my parents were getting their PhDs in English literature. As we the, the speak? There's a lot better no, than at the McGill. time, when oh, I was the, a year and 10 okay. months old. That gotcha. was a long time ago. Gotcha. <laughs> then okay. we came down to San Diego when I was uh, in first grade, so... I um, so you're pretty much a native. Where'd you go to school here? Well, I went to three different elementary schools, which were um, let's see, Mission Beach Elementary, south of Belmont Park. Mm -hmm. Then we went to uh, moved out to 54th and El Cajon, mm -hmm. which is a completely different neighborhood now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I went to Andrew Jackson, mm -hmm. which I guess is a some kind of other charter school or something it's now? It's a charter school now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yeah. then Hardy Elementary, and then, because um, my parents worked at San Diego State. That's my, the one that uh, Bob Filner helped out at one yeah, time. Exactly. He, so, anyway. My dad and Bob Filner um, had offices next door to each other wow. at San Diego State. My dad was an English professor. My mom was the undergraduate dean there. Oh my well, for God. the record, the last radio interview Mayor <laughs> Filner ever did while mayor was on our show. That's right. And then the news <laughs> broke two days later. Yeah, see? Uh, anyway, okay. But I digress. And then we moved to La Jolla. So I went to Maryland's Junior mm. High School, La Jolla High. Mm. Went to UCSD for two quarters and transferred to UC Berkeley, where I graduated with a bachelor's in psychology mm. um, thought about being a journalist because I was on the radio not on the radio I worked for a radio station um, mm -hmm. KGO radio up, sure. in, up in San Francisco, San Francisco. Francisco. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, worked for the Daily Cal at Berkeley um, mm -hmm. took journalism classes thought I wanted to be a journalist but didn't want to go to the middle of nowhere to get my start which is what I heard you had to do so but you, I, went, but you did get a master's at well at, hold on okay I'm sorry. so then I went to work for a cruise line that's pretty much what made me realize that I did not want to be <laughs> in public relations, putting the spin on everything. So I wanted to tell both sides of the story. Uh -huh. um, got into Medill and went to Northwestern, ended up in their Washington program on the East Coast hmm. and decided I wanted to stay on the East Coast for a little while. So I worked at the Berkshire Eagle up in the middle of nowhere, Western Massachusetts. Then mm. I went to the Springfield Union News in Northampton, Massachusetts. Just general assignment work or uh, or crime crime reporting? No crime reporting. Just general assignment. Um, I was well. When you're in Massachusetts, every little town has its own government, mm. um, and it's much more complete. So they don't actually have that, as much state government as we do. They have more local government, mm. and then 
um, anyway. So, so you were a government reporter. So I was mostly a government reporter and okay. some general assignment. But okay. that's where I started covering City Hall. Mm. And gotcha. then I came out to the L.A. Times for a year as a full-time freelance indentured slave. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, it was it's, – it's a long story. Anyway, right. then I went to the L.A. Daily News for a year. And I got to cover the very beginning of the Michael Jackson child molestation charges oh, wow. and his painkiller stuff. Uh-huh. And then it came to the to the UT in you 1993. So, folks, you know, you spend many years every, every, <laughs> becoming an overnight success. Exactly. <laughs> you, you know, it's the it's the accumulation or the accumulation of all your experience in, right. in town. So. This is a good life lesson, you know. Try a lot of different things, and get, but you you were d- on the path to becoming a writer. Well, and while maybe you didn't know it, but well, I, I while I was in Northampton, I was so, working so hard at work. I was writing what two stories a day on deadline, four stories on Friday, Sunday <sighs> stories briefs. You know, churning it out, churning it out, writing like an, a column inch a minute on <sighs> deadline. I was like learned how to be fast. Yeah. And on on the weekends though I was in a, I joined a writing workshop. So that's actually when I started working on fiction. Uh-huh. So I was working on fiction storytelling while I was learning my investigative reporting and my nonfiction skills, but I didn't join them together really until I got to the Union Tribune and worked with the writing coach there, Susan White. Who has since gone on to edit three Pulitzer-winning stories? So are you saying stories. the UT is all about fiction? <laughs> no, no, I'm I, saying I learned how I'm to write kid, how kidding. to write narrative. Joe, I, I was going to suggest that writing about government is all about fiction. I'm kidding. <laughs> I was ki- I kid. I kid. So I actually but, I wrote a lot of stories while I was at the UT called narrative. Wonderful. Anyway, uh, we are coming up on our break right about now. Justin, you have some good crime music for us. Good. We're going to come <laughs> right back with Caitlin Rother, crime author. Right after this, hang on. Right, Justin, way to go. That is... I like that song. Yeah. Good law and order music. Who writes these things? That's so great. Anyway, we're back with Caitlin Rother. We should give her website, actually, and it's C-A-I-T-L-I-N. Everyone knows how to spell it now because of Bruce Jenner, I guess, but... Uh, he uses a Y. He uses oh, he, a Y, She, Joe. sorry. Oh, she uses a Y. Okay. Well, that's a good point, then. So, the, uh, you are L-I-N, and it's Rother, rhymes with author. How ironic. Uh, R-O-T-H-E-R. Dot com. So smart that you figured that out. <laughs> How many years were you at the UT? I'm just curious. Thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah. What'd you do time. there? What was, What years were you at UT? And um, I'm a good friend of Mark Sauer, by the way. You yeah, me too. Be, you, so. Um, got there in December of '93, mm. and I stayed until September of 2006. Mm. Interesting so, times. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. I started out. Um, Who owned it when you were there? Was it David Copley yeah, still? No, it was Helen Copley. Was Helen, Helen. God, you were there for the whole transition, uh-huh, the several yeah. transitions. Yeah. Well, no, I didn't. I didn't go through all these change of ownerships. Yeah. I was, when I left, it was still Copley. Owned. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So that all happened after '06. God, yep. it seems like it took so long because they've gone through like I know three, four owners I now. Know. And I didn't get any <sighs> severance package or buyout or anything. I just left. I, <laughs> not <laughs> I even a, not even a pen or anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a book deal, so I said, "Gotta go." It's you know, it's unbelievable that that paper back in the '80s when I was working at another TV station was de- which was uh, deriving more revenue than the three major TV stations in town. And look what has happened. I know. It's, it's un- sad. Who would have ever thought? You know. 
Um, I, anyway. I stopped subscribing because the wind would blow the paper away in the morning. Before well, I, I do. Run out and get I get it. the electronic so, version. I just forget to look every day, but I do get the electronic version, and um, you well, know, I should get in the habit. That's of That's why I got so frustrated and left because it was shorter, 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 and mm-hmm. I, you know. I like to write in-depth investigative mm-hmm. pieces, and yeah. so I had a harder and harder time getting my work into the paper, and I needed to to please myself in what I was doing and them too. So yeah. I did, you know, I, I did manage to do that. But then I said, you know what, I want to write books. So yeah. I left in order to pursue my dream, which was to become a full-time author. So at the UT, your general work assignment was what? Was it mostly? Well, it changed back and forth. I basically went between covering government and mm-hmm. politics and covering general assignment or enterprise reporting and, and then it got more and more investigative as the longer I stayed but mm-hmm. my prime areas were government and politics so then your first book uh, did you were you still at the UT yeah so you were like working double time now now you're writing at night and writing and, and, and working in the day I mean that well got the way that it worked was it was the Kristen Rossum case the toxicologist for the medical examiner's office who stole drugs from the lab poisoned her husband with it and then staged a suicide scene by sprinkling red rose petals over his body well it sounds like a Columbo episode. if you remember that case <laughs> so I covered it for the paper I wrote 50 stories and one for Cosmopolitan magazine and I made a deal with the paper that as long as I was still covering the story I would not try to pursue anything commercial so and that the was minute po- was that poisoned love yes by the, way? Okay. the minute I stopped covering the case I then pursued a book deal because ethically you know you're not supposed to do both so right. I did work on the book proposal at home, but I didn't hit the send button until I was ethically free of covering it for the paper, and mm-hmm. that was my first book. Hmm. I left the paper on leave, unpaid leave, for six months, took a big chance. Mm-hmm. Can I earn this money back? <laughs> mm. And it was the one of the best six months of my life. I enjoyed it so much I wanted to keep doing it. Did you do a lot of book signings and appearances and everything? Yes, and yeah, I actually came fun. here. You guys did a nice TV story on me. and. Mm-hmm hit all the other channels and it got a great great publicity because it was a local case and it's it's been my best-selling book to date really poison love do you remember that case richard i remember it yeah absolutely wow yeah that was something so um now you have to go sit in on trials and right when you do these books well it varies it Mm -hmm. depends when i hear about the case it depends um, is it a death penalty case? Because sometimes, you know, those drag on and on and on. Mm. The one that we were talking about before we started, Dead Reckoning, was the Skyler and Jennifer DeLeon case mm-hmm. where they murdered Tom and Jackie Hawks, mm-hmm. tied right. them to their anchor through the anchor overboard, and they drowned by, you know, the, the weight of the anchor pulling right, them to the Right, the case the where they had a boat floor. for sale and the people went right. out. And, right, yeah. How do these people think they were going to get away with that? You go out with the people, you know, you're supposed to be buying this boat, you come back, the owners are, magically are disappeared. disappeared, and how did they think they were going to get away with this it just boggles my mind well criminals are stupid that's why they get caught <laughs> they <laughs> think they're smarter than they are well not all of them but they say 50 percent of homicides they uh, they go unsolved right or is it that high i don't know yeah i think i heard that data once we'll have to double check but but anyway that just seems to me i mean you go out <laughs> people are going to be asking questions well where what happened yeah, to mr mrs both so-and-so? tripped and fell over at the same time <laughs> <laughs> well see skylar de leon who is now living as a woman on death row so i call her she because yeah. she is a she uh-huh. um not surgically at this mm-hmm. point but mm-hmm. uh she basically wanted a sex change operation at the time mm. still trying to get one to this day um that was part of the motive for killing these people but <sighs> she picked the wrong she picked the wrong couple because Jim Hawks, the retired Carlsbad police chief, mm-hmm. was the victim's brother. So yeah. bef- they went missing, and Jim Hawks 
pretty much in short order already had labeled Skyler as a suspect when it, when he turned in the missing persons report. So Skyler picked the wrong couple. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. You don't so, want anyone related to the law enforcement for God's sake. And it was all for nothing because Skyler thought they were rich because they had a boat and therefore he could steal all their bank accounts and be yeah. rich. And I know just, better. People with boats have no money whatsoever. <laughs> they tend to be very heavily in debt. <laughs> they put all their money into the boat, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yep. It's called a hole in the ocean exactly. that sucks yeah. out the money. Yep. Yeah. Well, that was a, a tragic. So it was very tragic. But they're all in jail and life without parole, right? Basically. Uh, Jennifer's in for life without parole. Skyler's on death row. And so is John F. Kennedy Jr., who was an accomplice with him. That's his name, John F. Kennedy Jr.? The other he's a, he was a former member of the Insane Crips in <laughs> Long Beach. Wow. They'd known each other for about half an hour. Skyler, Skyler was good. Skyler was a con con man and basically said to him, hey, you know, we're going to make millions of dollars. I'm assuming that's what he said. Mm. And this guy, JFK Jr., was going after being a minister. He was about to become a minister. Mm. Unbelievable. So Skyler was a good, good salesperson. They're never going to get out of jail. They're either going to die. No, death row. There's just such there's some bad apples out there. You know, I remember. uh, well, obviously, I mean, you've got uh, 10 books. Uh, now, one is fiction, and all the rest are nonfiction. Naked Addiction Naked. is fiction. That takes place in La Jolla and PB. Uh, so is that based on any? It's not based on anything real. Just okay. pieces of my imagination. <laughs> really? I started writing it when I was back in Massachusetts, and I was homesick for the for the beach. So mm. my main character is Ken Good. He's a surfing detective who reads Camus in the New York Times. He's intellectual, but mm-hmm. he has... All the characters have flaws and addictions, and his addictions are uh, caffeine and damaged women. Mm. I'm glad you don't consider surfing an addiction. Because <laughs> <laughs> some people do have that problem, too. So, but uh, It's a hobby, Joe. It's not an addiction. Okay? Yeah. It only took me okay. 17 years to get that book published. <laughs> really? Yeah. Now, another overnight success. Another overnight success. Now, have you worked with publishers or self-publishing or both? I have done, to date, uh, all of my books are traditionally published with publishers out of New York. Mm. Um, I also, except for Naked Addiction, it was originally published by a traditional publisher, but it is now with an indie publisher. So Mm. that's not Mm self-publishing. It's independent publishing, which means that you have a different different relationship with the publisher. You have somewhat more control. You get a different royalty rate, higher royalty rate and mm-hmm. you know the 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 reason that more people are going towards self-publishing and indie publishing is because the traditional publishing royalties are really geared toward the publisher not toward the author so. but the business has changed a lot i mean we had a yes, it we has. had an agent on named bill gladstone once upon a time and his joke was was that if you want to get a six-figure advance you have to be somebody who used to get seven-figure advances <laughs> well and, the, and on down the line mathematically. well that's happening across the board with salaries and so everything it's a much different know. business isn't it yeah the the advances that i used to get were never enormous sure. but i could at least make a living and right. i haven't been able to do that for the last few years it seems like it's turning around a little bit mm-hmm. um but i'm actually doing more online doing mm-hmm. kindle shorts mm-hmm. through another indie publisher um i've got two of those about to have three and i'm actually making some decent money with that so i'm thinking about self-publishing my next book if i can't find a publisher for it mm-hmm. um and i'm going to give that a shot and see what that's like because hey you know, you, you just hit a button, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool. And you were nominated for a Pulitzer Prize, and we'll get into that uh, when we come back. But we're going to take a little break coming up in uh, right about now. Do you have some good crime music, Justin? Okay. That's criminal. <laughs>
And we'll be back with Caitlin Rother, true crime author, right after this. Thank you very much. We are back with the award-winning It's Your Money and Your Life. This is the time where Richard likes to thank our sponsors. That's good. Hawaii Five O, get me ready for my trip. Absolutely. Plus, I'm not a big Don Ho fan. So, anyway, big thank you to UBS. Michael Caranta, Drew Friedis couldn't do the show without UBS. Also, our favorite CPAs on the planet, Jason Kruger with Signature Analytics, a great CFO firm. Also, Plato Epic CPAs, a more traditional firm. Also, Sandra Miller. From Plato Epic. Have a great trip. Her son just graduated college, so they're taking a trip to Ireland and Scotland. That should be fun. Joel Grushkin, Cost Segregation Initiatives, helping real estate owners improve their cash flow. Also, Brenda Geiger, Geiger Law Office, specializing in estate planning and asset protection. And of course, Brenda's firm has a great continuing education symposium on June 1 up at an amazing place. That would be the Museum of Making Music in Carlsbad. So check that out. Great continuing education event, plus a great museum you can tour all in the same day. Our great friends, Sean Puckett and Lane Elliott with California Republic Bank, a really neat bank that specializes in working with wealthy families and family offices. Also, Hub International, formerly known as Mars Maddox Insurance, Mr. Neil Staley, great employee benefits firm. The LG Experience in the Lombardi Group, helping wealth advisors make heroes out of CPAs to those CPAs' very best clients. They have a big event coming up on July 11th, 12th, and 13th. More on that later. Our good friend Paul Hines, who I saw in Boston back when my wife Mary was running the Boston Marathon a couple weeks ago. Paul, of course, is the CEO of Hearthstone Private Wealth Management, and he heads up the SeniorSafeAndSound.org initiative here in San Diego, helping to prevent financial elder abuse. And, of course, our newest sponsor, Nathan Watkins, Worldwide Credit, a great mortgage broker. We also have a couple of other sponsors who, if listening to all of our sponsors makes you hungry or thirsty, come in really handy, right, Joe? Absolutely. Uh, another one is Lestat's Coffee Houses, and the original is in Normal Heights. The second one is over in University Heights, and they have a new one opening, I believe, this month on the 1,000 block of University, so get ready for that. It's uh, going to be spectacular with their new design. And also the Berry Good Food Foundation, headed up by Michelle Lirac, has a big berry dinner coming up again in June. And, of course, next week, I believe, we will be talking about, uh, she'll have a group of experts discussing uh, sustainability in meats. That is correct. Yeah. I'll be sitting in my chair because I'll be sitting on a beach chair on the beach in Hawaii. Right, having a hamburger probably. Nope, uh, <laughs> no hamburger. I haven't had a hamburger in years. Really? Good really. For you. Good for you. Yeah. But uh, in any case, Richard, if anyone wants to find out more about our sponsors, just get over to our website, iymoney.com, and there is a drop-down. Uh, you go to the Sponsors tab across the top of the page. There's a drop-down menu, and you can click on any one or Some all Some really cool stuff there, and I've been working with a lot of these folks for almost oh, three decades. There you go. Maybe even 30 years. Could be. <laughs> with great success, of course. Naturally. We know them all personally and, uh, you know, not anybody. We got some coming up as guests, too. Really, really great group of people. Absolutely. So anyway, back to our guest, VIP author, true crime author, Caitlin Rother, was nominated for Pulitzer Prize when she was at the UT. And I wanted to explore that with uh, Caitlin Moore. So what was that all about, Caitlin? It was a story about Richie Newman, who was uh, graduating high school out in East County and he was depressed. His family didn't know it. He grabbed some, um, can't remember exactly what it was, some kind of lighter fluid of some sort, took it out behind the um, Target, I think it was, or Walmart, and basically poured it over himself, lit himself on fire, 
Mm. And it was the story about how his friends and family felt that if he had known how much it was going to hurt him physically to do that and um, how much it was going to hurt everyone he left behind emotionally, maybe he never would have done it. Mm. But it was really a tragic story, and I basically pulled together all the signs that were there that nobody really saw until it was too late after he was gone. Yeah, I remember that. You know, two of my closest friends from high school committed suicide at fairly young ages. I mean, mm-hmm. by the time they wound up in college. Hmm. You know, and, teen depression. And you look back and you yeah. say, wow, I never really realized that that was a sign. Yeah. That they might be moved. I mean, well, there's so many, I guess, different. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, some people are really good at shielding it, too. But, um, you know, teen depression is a real problem. It, it's, well, depression's it's, a real problem. I know, but it's But pe- I think it's even more pronounced. Uh, but everyone doesn't. Oh, you think you're teens, you know, you're, you're young, you're vibrant, you're healthy, you're this, you're that. But uh, I, I think there is a, a period um, in the adolescent stage that may be more pronounced and difficult to deal with than maybe when you're in your 20s and 30s uh, when your life gets more on track. I don't know. I mean, you think there's something to that? Okay. Um, I think depression can hit at any time, but it's a question of whether it's treated properly. Yeah. You know, and it can be chemical it, yeah. and social and environmental. Right. And and it was just sad because I walked into his house, his mom's house, to interview his family, and the mother took my hand and just started showing me this shrine that she had to him on the <sighs> dining room table, and they were just things of his everywhere and she showed me the little pieces of burnt fabric that were left and I mean I just started to cry because it was it was so sad and she was just so devastated and I actually just am still in touch with that family even Mm. today it was that it was 1998 that I was nominated and I just got back in touch with them his uh I don't know if it's his uncle or his nephew not his nephew like so one of the family members got in touch with me on Facebook just recently because it was mm. the anniversary mm. um, of his death, or not quite anniversary, but anyway, they got in touch with me, and it was we we all got to to talk on. Did Facebook they ever get again. to a cause? Was it a breakup with a girlfriend or bullying or what? Did they? It's not th- well. You know, the cause is that he had issues chemically. I think that weren't treated mm-hmm. honestly, and but anything that triggered it in per se. Or no, it was a whole series of things, and. Mm setbacks or disappointments or something yeah i mean it's I mean, just sometimes these kids don't get into the school they want and um you know you hear this in japan the harry care the kids don't get uh, you know the, the test score they wanted i mean see but you're approaching it rationally and yeah. when you're in that state of mind yeah. you're not rational yeah you think your whole life is uh, depends upon this particular thing and and, mm-hmm. and whatever but you know we're going to have a, a show on mental health uh, coming up in um june i believe it's next month yeah it'll air in july but right. uh, we're going to have the head of the national alliance for uh, mental illness on again along with judge coates talking about his experiences and mm. and uh, so that should be interesting so uh, i'm not quite sure how those two go together but we'll figure it out well his book I'll, I'll, he's yeah. he's dealt with mental illness he's going to talk about it so okay. that's how and he's got a book him, himself so, then, so that's how that works his book is called crazy people in court actually oh, kind, there of, you go. kind of ironic does but, that include uh, the attorney he's got yeah he's a, includes everybody but <laughs> 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 so uh what books do we need to explore more because you did lost girls and and um and richard you, what were you talking about well right I, i'm interested in lost girls because nathan fletcher has been on the show right I always support the big run every March down at Balboa Park, finish right. Chelsea's run. Right. but and, um, and, of course, her body was found not too far from where we at the time resided. Mm. Um, and, of course, that whole thing was tragic because John Gardner, the murderer, uh, also Amber Duvall, he, he should have been in prison. I mean, they had so many opportunities to put this guy away. Yeah. He was running around on the loose. Right, Caitlin? 
Yes, pretty much. He had violated parole by one one thing in particular. Uh, he had actually gone to the Donovan State Prison Grounds, which you're not allowed right. to do when you're an ex-offender yourself. And he had been smoking pot. He got caught. They could have put him back in, but nobody ever followed up. How many victims did he have? Just... Uh that we know of yeah, too, yeah. The, but the, know the big thing that I one of the big things that I found in my research that really troubled me was, you know, I got his mental health records from his mother, and this basically the state knew about this. He was in prison for attacking and molesting his thirteen-year-old neighbor, for, mm. and he was in for five years. While he was in, he had a complete mental breakdown and was threatening to kill the guards and the judge that put him there, and yet he was not designated as one of those violent sexual predators, um, which he should have been in my mind based on the documents that I saw. So when he got out, he was designated as a lower risk in the lower risk category, if he had been in, in the higher risk category, he may may have been sent to the, this place in Koalinga. It's like one hundred and eighty thousand yeah. dollars per person, but it costs so much money, taxpayer money, that very few people get sent there. But in basically, what my point is, he maybe should never have been let out in the first place, yeah. let alone be running around and yeah. violating. But even yeah. the notion that you're going to let somebody out who's of lower risk. Um, well, it's, it, it's, nobody wants to pay the taxes know, in order to keep them locked up forever, right? right? So that's, expensive. That's then the he, issue. Then he that's murdered. The issue. Is that the one who murdered his pregnant wife as well, or is that somebody else? No, that's somebody else. Okay, but um, anyway, well, anyway, he's uh, where is he now? Is he? He is at Corcoran State Prison in the same unit with Charlie Manson. Wow. Have you interviewed him? Yes, I have. I interviewed him, um, sitting about as close from him as I am from you right wow. now. Wow. For five hours. Um, there were wow. no protective wow. glass or anything. So hold that thought because I'm curious to know more about that. We'll be back with Caitlin Rother, crime author, right after this. Hang on. <laughs> oh, we love that Get Smart music, don't we? Well, of course, control battled chaos, <laughs> the international organization of evil. Missed it by that much. Chief. Well, Chief. <laughs> so anyway, Justin, drop down the cone of silence. We're going to continue this show. That's right. We are back with Caitlin Rother, and she interviewed John Gardner. So uh, you sat that close to him for five hours. Yes. Did you get nervous? I was, the night before, I hardly slept because if you remember him in the courtroom during the mm -hmm. sentencing, how his face suddenly right. just went like a, into that horrible, scary grimace. Mm -hmm. I thought, what if I say the wrong thing right. to him? And he jumps across the table and grabs me by the neck because his mother already, you know, kind of explained to me what the visiting situation was like. And so I was prepared, but I was just so scared that I was going to say the wrong thing. So Were you I, alone in the room with him, or was there? There a was guard? a guard. Okay. I mean, it's a, it was the lunch room. Okay. It it wasn't like like I had been, you know, even at San Quentin when I went to go visit Skylar DeLeon recently. Mm -hmm. um, we were in a locked cage, which was even more bizarre. The two of us in a really sh small area, locked inside together with no guard. That oh. was really scary too. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Huh. So John Gardner, I mean, did you get into his psyche? What, what caused him to go off the rails like this? Well, he's mentally ill. Yeah. He's bipolar, and he was untreated. And he was doing meth and drinking a ridiculous amount. Mm. And he went to see a psychiatrist with his mother, said to him, I think I might be a 5150, which means I'm a danger to others and myself. This is, and a, the, this is when he was a teenager? This is right before he killed Chelsea. Oh. And the doctor said, do you feel like you're going to hurt somebody right now? And he said, no. And then he says, well, then I 
you know, then you can't be a 5150. So they, he gave him some medication. It was the wrong kind of medication because it made him even more manic. So he's running around those trails at Lake Hodges, mm-hmm. manic. And that's what he was off the rails. His mother could tell the, you know, that he was disintegrating mentally yeah. and tried to get him help. They both tried to get him help. And, and he tried to get a bed, substance abuse or some mental health bed. And none of the beds, this is something I found out in my own research, never covered in the news. There's not a single bed in San Diego County that will take a sex offender. Hmm. So when someone reaches out for help like that, they know they're in trouble. Nobody will take them. Oh my gosh. That's a problem for us. I'm not trying to rationalize his behavior or sympathize, right. but that's a problem with our it's, system. It's a failure of the system. Well, maybe we need another, um, another get Nathan Fletcher involved again. Maybe we could do something about that. I, I don't know. But, okay, so this guy had drug, drug and, and, and addiction issues. You know, we could see what caused, what may have at least but been. But he was really, bipolar, which yeah. was worse. But so. now, you remember the case Craig Pyre, the CHP officer yep. who, who killed the gal from mm-hmm. USD? Mm-hmm. Now, there's a guy. Her dad was one of my professors. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> um, did we ever drill down on what caused that guy? To, I mean, here's a guy in law enforcement, in a position of authority. Uh, what would, did anyone ever drill yeah, down friend, on Yeah, a couple of friends of mine wrote a book about, about that, but I don't know that it went into the psychology. Mm. That's, I do that in my books as much as I can, mm-hmm. but not all true crime authors do that. I mean, there are people who go into law enforcement who are good guys and bad guys, just yeah. like the rest of the world, and it's a There's corruption a f- you know, a of power. Bu- a few and bad control, apples. right? I understand, but I mean, there, it's it's a rare it's a rare incident when a a law enforcement agent um, commits homicide. I mean, it, um, it's not a good thing. No, no. it's not a good thing. No. But speaking I mean, of psychology and addiction, your latest book, then no one can have her. Yes, and tell us about that. Addiction please. is one of the themes that runs through a lot of my books: suicide, addiction, mental illness, and and, and greed, and so. The this no one then no one can have her. Um, Steve DeMocker, he was a sex addict, <laughs> and he had this lovely wife who he was married He's to for twenty five years. Another local guy, or this is Prescott, Arizona. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the reason I found out about this case is somebody read Dead Reckoning, the Skylar DeLeon case. Tom and Jackie Hawks were from Prescott, mm. so somebody from Prescott read that book and started sending me news articles about this case. So that was really really nice Hmm. um, for me to have insight into this crazy case that I didn't even know about. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so Steve DeMocker was an investment broker, and he was, another one, corrupted by first power when he was a professor and then a dean at Prescott College. He went into finance, became corrupted by money. Mm. And it was like he was felt entitled to women, you know, and he was seeing several at a time. He was cheating on his wife time and time again with, um, you know, people he worked with at the college, the nannies, <laughs> the babysitter, the midwife who was going to deliver their second child. <laughs> I mean, his assistant for seven years. Um, anyway, so finally, Carol Kennedy, his wife, um, but these were, managed to get away. These were consulting relationships, though, right? They weren't, they weren't a sexual assaults, were they? No, or? they weren't assaults. My, my point is he was an addict. Yeah. He was a sex addict. That No one figured this out, though? Uh, his wife oh. was a therapist yeah. who, who ironically worked with domestic violence victims, and she became one herself. So huh. it's a story about greed. It's a story about domestic violence. It's a story about sex addiction. It's a story about getting corrupted by power and money. And 
to this day, he's still claiming he's innocent. His family thinks he's innocent. He was wrongly convicted, and he's still fighting it and is appealing his conviction. But right now, he is sentenced to life without parole in Arizona. Bipolar or anything? in No. Nope. No? Just an investment broker, Richard. How about that? You know, someone from the finance. <laughs> well, we, you know, that show, uh, what's that one? American Greed. I mean, every you've got deviant behavior in you know, every on a nightly basis on that program. So he was a compulsive spender. He just loved spending money on himself and he was spending money to have sex with all these women and buying his family things and just getting into ridiculous amounts of debt. So he's in jail for life, I hope now, right? Yes. Okay. Well, that's, that's good. So Caitlin, how do you keep your sanity? I mean, uh, you, uh, you're a writing coach as well, which is great, right? I have been actually um, taking a bit of a break from the books mm-hmm. because I was churning them out one, an average of one a year for, mm-hmm. for 10 years, and I got pretty burned out, mm-hmm. to be honest. And so I've started writing Kindle shorts mm. and selling those online, and that has been really exciting for me because I can still look into a case, but I don't have to write an entire book about it, and mm-hmm. I've been doing, doing collections of of crime cases Mm. and so it's a shorter read I can put them out faster it kind of gets me back more to my newspaper days where I could get something in the paper get immediate feedback Mm -hmm. and have more it it just felt more um, exciting that way so that's been great and and then I'm earning a living really more right now as a writing coach so I'm helping aspiring authors pursue their dream of getting published for Mm -hmm. the first time and that's actually been really fulfilling for me so I'm a teacher and I'm a coach, and I'm still writing, and I'm still working on a number of books that haven't come out yet. But but, but, but you also sing, don't and I'm you? also singing, and that's the biggest. So tell us about that. That's the biggest creative endeavor for okay. me right now. I'm mm-hmm. working on it. Mm-hmm. I've always been a closet singer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've I was classically trained as a pianist. For I took seven years worth of piano. Mm-hmm. I was a really great sight reader, but um, I sung in the chorus at Muirlands in you know in La Jolla, and I. You know, have always been in a number of, of like community theater performances mm-hmm. or whatever, but I always got recruited into playing the piano. Mm-hmm. And I, they said, well, you can sing, but we, could you play the piano? Because we don't have anyone else to play the piano. <laughs> so I would end up playing the piano and not singing because I couldn't seem to do both. Uh. And so finally, one time I, I was at a conference in 1999, a writing conference in I started singing. They said, would you play the piano? I said, no. <laughs> so I sung. Just say I, no. And it was yeah. really, really fun. And then I didn't follow it up. And, and then recently. Um, Are you singing with a group now? I'm or? singing with a group called Breaking the Code. Oh, okay. And I, it's, it's been really fun for it's me. A, it's, like it's a four-person group okay. um, with my boyfriend and two other guys. So it's three engineers and me. Perfect. <laughs> And we sing all different styles, jazzy, bluesy, folksy. Um, my like, boys are... Kind of like the Bobs a little bit, right? You heard the of The Bobs? I yeah. don't know. You haven't heard of them? Okay. <laughs> anyway, all right, they're vocal But group. it's it's been really great for me, and it actually feeds my writing more because it's like, you know, you do something else creative. When you come back to your primary thing, you feel a little more energized, so... Excellent, excellent. So, um, anyway, if people want to get in touch with Caitlin, her website is Caitlin with an I, Rother.com. <laughs> and you can get her to sing for you and help you with your writing and do all kinds of great things. Caitlin, <laughs> thanks for being our guest. Thanks today. so much really for Really appreciate me it. Richard, thanks for coming. That was fascinating. Yeah. Oh, good. Great seeing you, Richard. And thanks you to Justin Hart, our board operator, for making us sound great. Thanks to Dave Smith, our program director, and Craig, Craig Blanke, our account executive. All these uh, uh, podcasts are commercial free on IYMoney.com. We'll see you next week. Bye bye.